Good morning, Gabaisai, and uh, thank you for being here. And it's a different uh, hour, so we're, we have to have flexibility. And uh, Baruch Shem, it's good to see that we all we all do. And uh, certainly, Hatzacha, we have some boys going on an outing today. We hope that they have a lot of fun and time for some relaxes, Bez Hashem. You know, today's Parsha Yisro, this week's Parsha. Tomorrow we are going to be reading the Seres Adibros. It is certainly a... Uh, <clears throat> momentous time. It is a time that really compels us, Rabbi Sai. It really compels us to look at these words because, you know, what I've noticed about Zoom is that uh, it's sort of tough to focus. Sort of uh, looking at a screen, uh, I joke with some of my boys. We have uh, some boys saying, you know, I can't learn on Zoom. I got to be in person. I got to see my Rebbe. I got to see my friends. I got to connect with the uh, with the entire environment directly. I can't, I push it, can't do it. So you have different reactions and different attitudes about people learning with technology and, uh, we certainly understand how different people learn different ways. But clearly, if we've lost a sense of focus during this time, which is possible, I think it really, this is a parsha that almost demands, uh, our rededication to focus. A rededication for us to really get back to the essential message of Pasha's Yisro, which is Rabbi Said, the most important message, arguably, in the history of mankind. And that is that Pasha's Yisro conveys to us, in no uncertain terms, that in the, in the year 2448 of creation, Hakash Baruch Hu brought the Jewish people out into to the desert, and at a special moment, either Vav or Zion Sivan, depending on how you learn uh, the events, different uh, different opinions, there was Maimon Sinai, and there was Anoch Hashem Lokecha, and there, 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 there were the Aseris Adibros. And the singular event, which I've said many times, but we got a Chazerit, we, very, a lot of people go over the Yud Gimel, Ikarim every single day, the Sheish Chiro, certain things we go over every single day. The truth of the matter is, they really concepts that we have to go over every single second. We have to live with these concepts. We have to internalize it and have it as an absolute truth in our hearts, in our minds. It, it literally has got to flow through our veins that there was a Maimon Har Sinai, that this is not a religion like any other religion, that we have an event that, that completely testifies to the truth of what occurred. An event, as you look at the Psukim, just reading the Psukim, that's why it's so important to focus because, you know, people look at the at the Torah sometimes, it's, it's, it's a nice book, it's got beautiful stories and wonderful laws, and it's a you know, wonderfully uh, you know, inspiring type of work, but <laughs> when you look at the words, and you read the words, and you understand these are the words that our people have been reading for thousands of years. These words. We know how every letter, when we learn Gemara, we know how every letter is so important in appreciating Torah. When you look at words, and to somehow find another way as the rest of the world tries to do in minimizing the truth of the Torah. It's a nice book for the Jewish people. It's wonderful cultural. <laughs> Nothing about culture. It's not about tradition. You know, it's, it's a little bit of, I mean, min, minhagim are important, but that word tradition has a certain connotation. It's, you know, people just doing nice things to make everybody feel good. No, no, this is not, it's not about tradition. This is about truth. This is about an event that took place that is binding upon us as Jews to live a certain way. 
to, to, to live with a certain connection, to recognize we have a mandate and a mission. And there's no parsha that's as clear in terms of articulating those events in the way they went down, very specifically. As the Pasuk tells us, I'm giving you very specific instructions. This is what you should say to the Beis Yaakov, specifically the women, as Rashi tells us, which is a soft language, but you got to make it clear, you got to put it on the table. This is, this is serious business. This is a way of life that, that, that demands Sagid of Yisrael. Tough words, Rashi says. Words about, yes, there are repercussions. There's a right and a wrong. It's not just all fluff where you can sort of do what you want. It's all feel good. It's all lovey-dovey. It's about truth. It's about living a certain way. And, and, the, and the indisputable truth that demands that we live a certain way. That, we, that demands that we recognize the significance of Shabbos. The significance of Tulin. Of, 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 uh, doing the mitzvos. The Aserah Dibros fundamentally, and of course, everything expands from there. Every single one of them is an indisputable truth that we have no right to even deny or to even change or, or adjust one of the 613 commandments. They're all true. And the words are so clear and the words are so powerful. And this is what ultimately you cannot deny because there's no other religion that would ever say these words are tem isem. The Torah is telling us now. Just again, I'm not, I don't want to go through the whole proof right now, but just picture in your own mind. The words are clear. The words that we sit and we analyze and we we interpret every single day. Atem reisem, mitzrayim. You saw this is not some story you heard from previous generations. The the beginning, the initial foundational moment of the Jewish people came because atem reisem. You all saw and I carried you. Like on the wings of eagles, and I brought you to here, and I and I brought you for a mission. Say these words: You are a special people to me because of what you where you came from. Because of Rami Yaakov, I'm going to do something, and it's not a story you're going to hear about. You're going to experience it. You're going to see it. And because you, three million Jews, 600,000 men between the ages of, of 20 and 60, you do the math and you figure it out. It's about three million people. Can you ever write in a book, not a storybook, not something, a book that we're going to pour over for 3,000 years and we're going to write svarim upon svarim. We're going to have a Talmud Bavli, the Talmud Yerushalmi. We have the Torah Shabbat Savan, Torah Shabbat all looking at these words and living by these words. We have to internalize it. You have to know this, says, says the Torah to us. And that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu did something that has never been repeated by any, or attempted to be repeated. Not only was it repeated, it wasn't attempted, there was no even illusion that any other religion would be predicated on this type of beginning, because it can't be done. You can't tell a, a nation you saw. Because even if you, who are you talking to? You're talking to the grandchildren? <laughs> who saw? Let me, I didn't hear anything about this. Wherever it started, if it, if it didn't start this way, it is implausible that we got to this point where we are right now. And there's, there are books you can read and there's tremendous, uh, tremendous videos you can look at that further elaborate on this point, Rabbi Sai, but it's important to know we're not like anybody else. 
This is attempt to you, Mamlech is kind of a guy kadosh. You are unique and you have a unique mandate because nobody else has what you've experienced. No one else has your Messorah. To the point, Rabbi Yisai, where, where the, the Mepharshim say during the Aseris Hadibros, this, this concept of, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu talking to everyone, which the Rambam says, more than the, the miracles of Mitzrayim, it's this moment, this moment of total clarity, where the heavens opened up, HaKadosh Baruch Hu spoke to us, and the Sephirna says, amazingly, because there was some degree of skepticism on the part of the Jewish people about HaKadosh Baruch Hu talking directly to a person. We knew about prophecies, we knew about visions and dreams, we had that. But we never had a person directly in his standing position, awake, talking and communicating with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because such a thing happened that people were skeptical. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, I want no skepticism, I don't want any doubters, I don't want anybody to be wondering, can this happen, can this not happen? I'm going to speak to each and every one of you. So three million people, the Sephirna says, had a waking, standing communication with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so that they would never question, they will never question for all future generations whether something like this could occur. Because once you have three million people stating and knowing and experiencing this reality, and then you have all of the mitzvahs that demand that you give that over generation by generation, as we know from our chart outside. It never broke, it never stopped, it never ceased. So this truth is, is part of who we are throughout all of Jewish history. It becomes very, very clear. It's not just Sagid Lebeis Yaakov's. It's, all, it's not just Saima Lebeis Yaakov. It's not just talk nice and talk soft, we have to talk soft, we have to talk nice, we have to be, obviously, we have to sell the beauty and the truth of Torah in the most wonderful and, and, and uh, appealing way possible. But it's also Sagid Levnei Yisrael, but it's also Kegidim, because, again, we have to sort of wake up. I know it's a tough time. And this, and you know, the uh, corona has taken its toll in many different ways. But one of the ways it's taken its toll, it's sort of made us sort of a little bit more distant and disconnected and somehow maybe we're not as sharp in our emotions and our intellect, our, where our, our senses are not honed to the finest level and therefore the challenge becomes that much greater. Can we once again harness those energies and that truth and that, that motivation to serve our Kodesh Baruch with that kind of feeling which we have to bring ourselves to, to feel and to bring ourselves to, to do? So we have to sort of listen to these words and let these words penetrate. We stand up tomorrow, as the rest, as, as most of the shuls do, and they some people stand the whole laning. But if we certainly if we're standing up to the Sarasadibros, and listening to these words, it's not just nice words. It's not just whatever, however you conjure up the Ten Commandments in your own mind about what what they are, what they mean. Just to go back a little bit in time and to say, no, no, this this is we're reading that this happened. It's happened to us. Separate from the fact that the Midrashim say that Neshamis, all of our Neshamis were there in Harsinai. The fact that there were, there was an entire nation there in Harsinai. These are our, these are our ancestors. These are our great, great grandparents. And this is what they gave over to us, again, on, with a never-ending Mesorah, never-breaking Mesorah. It, it's, it's, it really demands of us a, a rededication, a, re- a sense of, of, of absorbing the truth, internalizing the truth, responding to the truth in a way that, that maybe it's harder to do right now. And Rabbi Yisai, so many chazal, such a fundamental truth 
It's unimaginable when things are tougher, when learning is tougher, when anything, anything we do is tougher, and we push ourselves and we overcome and we, we do what we need to do because we, we somehow persevered. We didn't sort of let that little voice come to us and say, sort of say, eh, it's okay, just take it easy. It's tough times out there. You know, it's uh, whatever. Days that we could come, I've noticed people, days that we could come, we don't come. We can go to Zoom, so let's stay at home and let's sort of just... Now's the time for mobilization, Rabbi say. Now's the time to re-energize ourselves, to have this chus of hearing, hearing the Aseris Dibros, internalizing the message of Parashas Yisro, the idea of sort of of, of really bringing it to a point where we know this in our hearts, we know that it's true, and therefore we have to respond. What do you do with truth? You got to respond to truth. Not everybody can do that. Special people can respond when you have truth staring you in the face, or maybe you can maybe explore truth, and it's right there around the corner. It's right there for you to do. Not everybody can do it. When you respond to that message, when you respond to that call, it's a sign of such greatness. It's a sign of such an incredible power. Just. Reading uh, Uri Zohar's book again, I'm, wrapping, I'm finishing it up. I remember when Uri Zohar was here, it must have been a lot of years ago. He came and told his amazing story 20 years ago. And he said, what, what an amazing sort of dichotomy that we saw from that story when he, she was in this. Um, actually, I think he spoke to the school in Sharetzedek. Maybe I think maybe the community was invited. I somehow remember being in Sharetzedek and hearing him speak. It could be spoken both places. But I remember this was a man, an incredible story. He's a man on top of the entertainment world in Eretz Yisrael. A man who had everything going for him, so to speak, in terms of the American dream, because he was about to sign a, a big deal with some American company, the best director, most the funniest fellow, best actor, screenwriter, you name it. This person was so multi-talented. And in any, whatever he did, he was the best. And here he was on top of the world in Eretz Yisrael. And you think, oh my gosh, this guy, he's living the life. And he was living the life. He was very happy. He wasn't looking for anything. He wasn't, he wasn't searching for anything. He was quite comfortable with the life that he had. And he happens to be invited with a bunch of his buddies, his entertainment buddies, to a friend's simcha. One of his friends, I guess, became a, became a Balchuvan, had some kind of a Sheva Brachus or some simcha at a place in Yushlaim. And, you know, they, they, so they came. They came, you know, whatever, you know, you know, sort of the mentality. We'll hang out with those religious Jews for a while. You know, it won't be so bad. It won't be just be a couple of hours. And we'll go back to our, our homes on the Mediterranean and uh, just enjoy ourselves. And during that particular evening, there was a rabbi who was sitting there at the table. They got into a discussion and something that got a little heated because once you're talking to an Orthodox Jew and you get into religion, you really believe in that. Come on, give me a break. And this... This person, I don't know who he was, and you know, there's no such thing as an average Jew. He sort of looked like just a regular, regular Yid, but no such thing as a regular Yid. Every Yid has such power to communicate and to change the world right in any moment of his life. He, who, who would have imagined that that discussion, while well, it got a little bit heated, calmed down, and he calmed things down, and he said a little line. This is really not in the book. I remember him saying it publicly very, very clearly. And he said to the people at the table, maybe there were four or five of them, including Uri Zohar, do you want me to prove to you that God is true and that the Torah was given on Har Sinai in the year 2448? Now is not the time to prove it. Now we're here for a simple, let's just relax. But if you want, and he gave each of them a card with a phone number, I think it was his number, and he gave it to them. You know, if you're interested, call. Be happy to meet with you and let's talk. Let's talk truth. Let's talk religion. Let's talk God. 
Let's talk 2448, Vav Let's talk. Let's talk Yisroel. Let's talk. Let's talk. Is it a book? Is it a story? Is it a fable? Is it some made-up concoction? Let's talk. I remember when Orizar was saying to us, you know, we drove back, and those words, can, you want me to prove to you the truth? Those words started resonating in his mind, and he sort of turned to his buddies, and he said, well, are you going to make the call? Make the call? Ori, what are you talking Make the call? They, they threw the cards out the window. What are you talking about? Make the call? What, are you going to have some, some Jew from Meshuram get into your head over here? Come on, you're living a fantastic life. You know this is a bunch of, uh, you know, nice stories. You know, you know Judaism. You know, you know these things with the black things on your head and the whole thing with the, with the, the, the towel. I mean, come on. We're living in the 20th century. Let's get real. And it kept gnawing at him. And while there's so many amazing aspects to his story, and it's certainly worthy of reading, it's worth to read his book and to listen to his messages, it struck me that he was in that car, and everybody else, his four buddies, threw the card away. No, we're not making the call. We're not going to examine the truth. We're not going to find out if maybe we're living a life that is going nowhere when God actually revealed to us what is the purpose of life, the most uplifting, most satisfying, most connected life you can ever imagine? We're not going there, no way. And it kept knowing it at Urizar, but I mean, we're talking about truth here. We're talking about God revealing divinely, directly, the essence of why we're here. And are we just going to ignore that? Are we just, are you, are you're not even curious? I mean, we'll knock it out. We'll, we'll, we'll slug it up. We'll disprove it. What's the big deal? But let's just, you're not going to want to at least hear what he has to say. And he was, always a hard did follow up. And he did go on an incredible process, a process he didn't really want to, to, uh, reach the conclusion that he reached. He certainly had an agenda, a very strong agenda. My life is perfect. My life is beautiful. I love being the number one entertainer in Israel. I love everyone recognizing me. And I don't really want to change. But I have to look at the truth. I, I can't be afraid of examining what is right there for somebody to, to show me. If I, if I knock it off and I disprove it, I disprove it. But it's amazing how four out of five, interesting statistic, 80%. Same 80% that got stuck in Mitzrayim. It, it was one out of five that said, I'm going to find out. One out of five that was longing for redemption. One out of five that was willing to, to challenge themselves and follow motion to that midbar. Amazing. The Hamushim we read last week, only 20%. Everybody say, for Klai Yisrael, every Jew is so critical. We can't have 20% success we have to strive for 100%. We have to strive for every Jew being connected. And we have to start with ourselves. We have to start, certainly we can reach out, or we have to reach out, or we have to inspire, but we have to start with who we are. And when we have a parasha like this, that so succinctly with the words, incontrovertibly tell us, you all saw again and again and again, it's, this concept is repeated, this is not something that you heard from other people, it's not some book you found on a, on a beach somewhere that turned into a wonderful religion, uh, like many other people, it wasn't some man coming down saying, I spoke to God and therefore follow me, Moshe would never have been able to start Judaism if that was sort of the belief as, as when you go to a college campus, you take biblical studies, that's going to be the first message you're going to get. Bible, Stories. Truth, we don't know. Truth is, is whatever. It's whatever you want it to be. 
Absolute truth doesn't exist. And we start pushing them, <laughs> you're going to be in trouble. So just either don't take the course or just keep quiet because otherwise you're going to end up with a failure. Rabbi said, this is who we are. This is the mandate that we've been given. This is what we have to, to try to connect to. And amazingly, Uri Zohar became, he, 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 he could not avoid the truth. It was hitting him again and again. And again, the book that goes through all of the angles of the, of the Nevi'im and the, and the Torah Shabbat Peh and the Torah Shabbat and all of the other aspects of, of what Chazal knew, which are impossible to know. So many different elements of, of what compelled him to see the truth and embrace it. And he spent the last some 25 years or whatever just doing incredible things, learning Torah, becoming an incredible Tamil Chachemen, and changing the people around him. How many people has he influenced to the fact that uh, he did what he did? And he became about Shuvah. It's an incredible story to the point where actually somebody pulled over one, one night, he writes, and uh, you know, I think it was a taxi cab driver, and he told him to roll down the window. He recognized it, it was Uri Zar. He said, what, you, what have you done? We miss you. Uri Zar, we miss you. you. You were the funniest guy, and you entertained us all the time, and you ruined everybody's life because, you know, maybe now we're wondering ourselves what's truth or not. The boy said, that's it's not something that we can take lightly. It's something that we can't, we can't allow Corona or Zoom or any other excuse that we might have to not compel us to see the truth. And yes, the truth has... It's a double-edged sword. The truth has repercussions. The truth has kegidim. It has a, a mandate for us to see the truth and to embrace it. And even though, yes, and to know that if we don't do it, there are things at stake. And the HR is going to get us in. And the HR is going to try to, you know, connive us and maneuver us. And just, I'll end with this story. Just that you should know that when that little voice comes, when we know the truth, but a little voice that comes to us every, every once in a while, like maybe 200 times a day, that sort of says, do this and don't do that and come on. And, you know, and it's so easy to sometimes sort of fall into that trap of believing that voice and sort of saying, leave truth, you know, put it on the side. You know, right now, just enjoy that little comfortable pillow you have. I know you're supposed to get up for Minion, 8 o'clock is chakras. You know what, let me sleep until 9.15. I'll just roll out of bed. And while the Zoom is on and I'm listening to show, I'll have breakfast. I'll have it maybe later on. It's not such a bad schedule. Like, come on, what's the big deal? But truth, Torah, davening with the minion, davening the right way, coming, coming to, to, to school when maybe you don't have to come to school. You can wiggle out of it. And there are many different things you can do nowadays that, you know, we have to be understanding. We have to give everybody some leeway. But do we want leeway or do we want to grab the possibilities of life in the most optimal fashion, Rabbi Say. There's a cute, wonderful little story I love sharing about the Chavetz Chaim, who told us when that little voice comes and that little voice is powerful, and that little voice can, can come even to the Chavetz Chaim. Because he shared with his students, when he was already in his 80s, he shared with the students that you know, there, was a, there was one night in Raden where he lived. He was founded, of course, the famous yeshiva in Raden. He lived in Raden. And he says it was a very cold, wintry night in Raden. And I wasn't feeling 100%, and the rooster crowed. So we, we, the rooster crowed, and I was time to get up, and that little voice came to me. We know that voice very well. We, we hear it, like I said, many times a day. We, we hear it uh, uh, when we're by the computer, when we're not by the computer, when we're in our, when we're in our bed sleeping, we're, or getting up. We hear it all the time. But we have to know how to talk to it. The Chavetz Chaim taught his students how to talk to the Yetzirah. Know its language. Look at right, look at right in the face, right between the eyes, 
and answer it in a way that will outsmart the eight sir and, out, and ultimately have you come to the right conclusion. And the voice said, Rabbi, he's showing me how you're an old man, you're a, it's a gadol hador, you're a tzaddik. Come on, it's one night, one day you don't show up at Minyan, what's the big deal? So you don't got to dive in today. <laughs> you're the Chavetz Chaim. Look at your life and you have a sniffle, you're 85 years old. So come on, roll over and just press that snooze button and uh, okay, you'll dive in a little bit later, dive at the castle at the wall next to the refrigerator. What's, what's the big deal? The Chavetz Chaim tells his students, you know, I turned to that little voice and I said, you know, you, you're making a very good point. I'm 85 years old. It's freezing outside. It's a winter, cold winter, rotten night. And I do have a little sniffle. Let me ask you a question. You, how old are you? You're over 5,000 years old and you're up at 5 o'clock in the morning talking to me, telling me to go back to sleep. You're doing your job and look how old you are and look how cold it is outside. If you can do your job, I can do mine. So I'm getting up. Thank you very much. And he got up. He did what he needed to do because he was the Chavetz Chaim, but Rabbi said he was sharing with his students. And that voice sort of tries to cloud our, our obligations on a daily basis. And our job is to maintain the clarity. You're seeing. You have to see. Internalize it. Know what you have to do. Make it very clear in your heart. Be that Jew, that unique Jew who's able to stand up to any types of pressures and says, I'm doing the right thing. And if you have to outsmart the Yetzirah and talk back to it, that's exactly what you need to do. Nothing wrong with it. The Chavetz Chaim did it too. So it means we have to really first know exactly what's true and then do what we know. So Bez Hashem, let us take the powerful message of, of Yisro, of Maimon Har Sinai, of the fundamental truth of, of Judaism, of Klai Yisrael's connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, unique to any other religion, unique to any other nation, never repeated, never even attempted to be spoken about in the same vein throughout the annals of, of human history. Never, not once. If we take that to heart and commit ourselves during the very difficult times that we're living in to do what we need to do, from the morning to the night, from the chakras to everything else that goes, follows it, to do the right thing, to not be tempted to do the wrong thing, to stand up to the Yitzhahara, to outsmart the Yitzhahara, to talk back to the Yitzhahara, to branch out that vision, inspire the Jews around us, and to be a Good Shabbos.